might want to buckle up, baby, because Lando is not dead yet. Uh, welcome back, everybody. This is TRB Live, baby. This is the Resistance Broadcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are joining us live, thanks for being with us in the chat, or if you're just hanging out, either way, that's cool. We appreciate that. Or if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you prefer to get TRB. And of course, spread the word and tell friends and all that good stuff and rate us and subscribe and everything you hear every time a podcast comes on an episode. I'm John. With me, as always, is James and Lacey. What's going on, guys? How are we? How are we doing? I know that I'm doing pretty good because Cincinnati scored like two goals in the first 10 minutes of this game. So, oh, are you watching a game while podcasting right now? Is that what's happening? It's over there. I just glance over and see where we're at. I'm not actually watching like them on the field. Keep your eyes on his eyes if you're watching the stream. Oh, folks. my gosh. First, John with the Yankees. Now this. What is that happening? was playoffs, first of all. And second of all, this is League's I... Cup, buddy. Yeah, no one knows about <laughs> this. Uh, Lacey, what are you doing besides uh, not watching soccer? I'm just sitting here podcasting as i should be not watching so, anything on the I'm side i'm not watching i said i'm keeping the score available That's both fair. guilty so here's the deal yeah. um <laughs> uh, a lot of our audience may not be tuned into what's going on with all the union strikes and and a lot of the the work stoppages that have been happening um with the writers guild now with the screen actors guild um, rightfully and, so and potentially more coming um mm -hmm. but we, we're gonna make sure everyone is up to date on where we stand with this stuff um so um we as we said last week we stand with the writers actors and other parts of the unions that are on strike and uh since it's a labor dispute we're keeping a close eye on it and we actually did reach out to the screen actors guild because they provided an email address for podcasters even though it was just it, it really is for union-based podcasters to reach out to we uh, emailed them and we did get a response. Um, not going to divulge the details entirely of their response, but we are thoughtfully and carefully proceeding forward on a week to week basis uh, as we continue on and observe what's happening with these mm -hmm. uh, union disputes. And the thing that alarms me the most is the whole AI stuff that's going on. But we've talked about that and we'll continue to probably address that in the future. But that is where we stand. So our hearts and spirits and efforts are and we'll continue to be with the writers, actors, and members of the guilds and unions uh, as we try to get um, hope that uh, they can get everything resolved and get back to work and uh, what they need. Because we have nothing so, to talk about without them, honestly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and you know we want things like the Lando series to happen. And in order for that to happen, mm -hmm. people have to get back to work. So we'll talk about the Lando series in a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but before we do any of that, we are going to do the resistance report and we have a discussion that we're going to get into about George Lucas and the clash between executives and filmmakers, which is something he's been saying for decades and is very relevant today. Uh, but before that, uh, sort of on the mode of this, um, what do you guys think based on clearly there's no end in sight right now for the strikes? Uh, should Disney just make the move now and move Skeleton Crew to 2024 and maybe even push Acolyte and Andor out? What do you guys think about that? Or do you think they should just try to hold it? I think you're going to see them do that. Yeah, I do too. I think, you know, Warner Brothers is already talking about moving stuff from December into next year. Um, 
which they had like three movies, three weekends in a row. I was like, why don't you spread that out? But they're probably going to push those to 2024. So I can't see them not pushing this stuff. I'm surprised that they haven't pushed Ahsoka already, to be honest. That's what surprises I thought they were, me more than... Yeah, as soon as the strike started, I was like, oh, they're going to push this probably till December and then push everything back. And they haven't. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're going with this then. But I could see them pushing Skeleton Crew and... Someone made a good point online. I'm blanking on who it was. I apologize. But a couple people were discussing how you're probably going to see random content popping up on these streaming services because there's going to be a extended period of time where they don't have anything. And as mm-hmm. we've seen this week, supposedly the actors went to the producers or to the streaming studios and stuff like that to talk. And they were like, no, we don't want to talk with you. And then they all put up these AI positions this week for ridiculous amounts of money. So it seems like for now, this is happening and it's probably going to happen for a while. It's ugly. Yeah. yeah. And that's those are sort of um, fear tactics and like, look, we're going to put these posts up to essentially replace humans. And it's just it's like it's like it it's feels so like what happens when a couple breaks up and they take it too far and say things that they don't even want to do just to like dig at the other side and it seems to be all coming from the studios of course like trimming trees nasty it's just nasty yeah i didn't see i didn't see what the jobs were from netflix and other ones but the two disney ones at least weren't like looking for people who know about ai to write scripts (laughs) you know or whatever yeah netflix was an ai product manager specifically yeah so i I don't know about the other ones but at least the two disney ones were sort of like it has to do with like building parks and the other one had to do with actually it made me feel a little bit like it had more to do with what they announced with like vision pro and how disney plus is probably going to be incorporating a lot of like you know that type of technology so at least they weren't like these are writing positions, but definitely to to make a bold stance to put out jobs for anything AI at this stage right now, you know, hundred percent. Yeah, I I don't th- I think it's too late for them to move Ahsoka at this point. Um, and Disney probably wants something on the back half of twenty twenty three to hit their platform. So mm-hmm. I doubt they move that, but I can mm. definitely see them moving the other shows, especially with. How sort of, I don't know if opaque's the right word, but how just blank things look for 2025 releasing because the movies are supposed to come out in 2026 and Andor yeah. season two is supposed to be 2024. So right. I think they may need to- Which is still shooting, right? Isn't Andor still shooting right now? Well, they stopped, yeah. but yeah, they, really it, stop? they were supposed to finish up relatively soon because they usually do a year of post-production. So I believe it was supposed to be you know wrapping up relatively soon. Yeah. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I think they're maybe they're going to probably like stretch things out and like distance things a bit more to fill up that time as they figure out what they're going to do with the future. And a lot of that hinges upon what happens with these deals that are hopefully made uh, like for things like Lando and stuff like that, which will again, we'll get into the Lando news in a bit. But yeah, you guys might be right on that. But my thought on it right now is that Disney would probably be hoping that uh, the estimates coming out of like this whole thing will be wrapped by October could be true. And if that's true, then you have, you, you've already done Ahsoka and that'll be happening. Oh, I didn't even hear that. On. That's a, that's a projection that they think that, it's like, yeah. said before the actors went on strike though, is what they were saying. They were going to push yeah. the writers till October, but now that the actors are involved, 
it, it probably has changed, but the the mm-hmm. the only estimate we have right now was that there was sort of like an October time frame, maybe. Mm-hmm. So if that was sort of the case, then I think if they're hoping that that wraps around October, they could still manage to get out that other show. I'm going to say as of now, since it's still up in the air, the plans for Skeleton Crew are still to happen in this year. Yeah, we'll see. But but it depends on how long things go. Yeah. My feeling about it, too, is that I don't think they should go until things are figured out. Like, I feel like it's kind of bad faith to put a show out when people you aren't paying them properly to be in that show. That's what Um, well, that's already happening with the Soka, though. Yeah, right. So which I don't feel good about. Yeah, if if it goes past October and it's moving into November and and December and stuff, then I think that's when they do push skeleton crew for those reasons. It's like this is like, what are we going to do? Like some of the big things. Yeah, they're fighting for our streaming residuals and stuff like that. Like it's really weird to be putting out shows, brand new shows when those people are literally not promoting it and or wanting to do it. Don't forget that like Skeleton Crew, aside from it having a connection to the Mandalorian extended story has is all new. So they're going to really, I would imagine needs to heavily rely on people like Jude Law going on the tonight show to tell people about it with his good looks and charm and like get people and right. <laughs> like to dial into Disney plus that uh, otherwise like Ahsoka is one thing which we talked about, like even that doesn't may not reach all the general audience out there, but right. skeleton crew is going to be on a lonely Island if they don't get to promote that thing. So I I can't uh, I I don't know we'll see what they do but either way you know we'll get there when we get there. Right. Um, uh, before we roll on, uh, I know we have a super chat, right, Lacey? We do. So first of all, cool, awesome. What a way to start the show. Yeah. So uh, our super chat is from Fort Worthian. Hey. Our patron is he? A, he's a spice, spice runner. runner. Spice runner. Yeah, spice runner. Uh, well dressed spice runner might I add I know right look at that (laughs) he means business in his photo he said on the road for work but listening thanks for all you do no thank you we appreciate that that's so nice and you look so snazzy in your photo well and now you know since you are on Patreon you'll have to let me know personally uh, the any tips you have for traveling with a suit keeping it wrinkle free (laughs) when I went out for you when you were traveling with me you put it in the bag that I had Remember what I what I did I tell you what I did for Indiana Jones? Oh my god, what did you do? I did the roll it up trick. Why didn't you just ask me for my bag? I have the suit bag. Oh, well, I didn't want to trouble you. You uh, live 20 minutes for me. You could have just come and got the suit bag. Um, James, I had my dress like laid out for Rise of Skywalker and John was like, "I'm just going to carry it." I was like, "Put it in the bag." Put it in the bag. No, because I didn't want to get charged for an extra bag, so I roll I did the thing where you roll up your suit so it doesn't get wrinkled and then uh I did it work? It. I think it worked all right. Yeah. I wasn't like, that guy looks wrinkly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Now, before we get to Resistance Report, uh, we had a birthday shout out request that came in from Justin Jones. He's on Twitter at PirateJJ04. Hey, and he wanted us to wish his son, who's a big Ahsoka fan, uh, Zach. Happy seventh birthday, Zach, from us here at TRB. We hope you love Ahsoka. We hope you enjoy everything that's going on. You have a wonderful birthday and happy birthday from the three of us here at the Resistance Broadcast. 
Zach, happy birthday. And if your dad wants to send us an email <clears throat> at resistancebroadcast at gmail.com, we'll send you uh, some swag in the mail. There you go. can be done. Yeah. Happy birthday, Zach. So this now, was me now doing the all red confetti thing. Yeah. yeah. The, press, the pressure's on Justin <laughs> now to send that email. He's like, Dad, did you, did you, you better email him, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Happy birthday to Justin. Uh, have a great one. Um, we do right, have a couple questions really quick before we get started oh, that I want to make sure I answer. Oh, oh, oh. So Star Wars Steve asks, is there an Ask the Resistance in tonight's episode? There is not. No. Okay. Great answer. And then Andrew. What up, Andrew? Thanks for uh, chatting. He said, do y'all have a Discord server? And we do, John. Where can you find that Discord server? Join our Patreon. Uh, it our commander level on Patreon gains you access, so commanders and up. So go to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast and check out the tiers. Again, commanders and up uh, get access to the Discord. And I think anybody in the chat who's a part of our community over there will tell you that it is a great time. Um, all different sorts of voices, opinions, people from all over the world, all different walks of life have built friendships on there. And it doesn't matter what type of Star Wars you like or how you like it or where you're from or what you believe in. Everyone comes together and it's an awesome community. So I'm biased, of course. Highly recommend it. <laughs> but I have a good time over there, especially with how chaotic social media has been. Uh, it's it's a nice safe haven to go and have a good time talking Star Wars still, almost like it's 2015. Mm -hmm. Andrew, we'd love to have you. So uh, check it out. Consider. Yeah. Um, all right. It is time for the resistance report. James Bainey. It's the resistance. Okay. This week, um, I the the stories that we have here, I felt like there was just a lot of names and stuff. So I I, I did something special. So I'm I'm reading off my phone, but a little bit different. Uh, but this week, uh, one of the first stories we're starting with is how, um, the actress playing Sabine Wren, Natasha Lou Bordizo, uh, went into detail in an article, um, for S or an interview with SFX magazine, uh, about how she is sort of recreating Sabine for the show, even though she was inspired uh, by the character that shows up in Rebels. Um, she says, you know, I'm taking little things like obviously she's still a very stubborn cookie, uh, she says, and that's a quote. <laughs> um, and then she also says she is overthinking uh, this obligation that she has towards Ezra Bridger. But as far as the actual process of it goes, and, and I just throwing it in here real quick, I think this is like the perfect way you can do it. She watched all of Re uh, uh, Rebels. She learned the character, liked the character, and then once the process of um, Ahsoka started filming, she said, uh, that's when I never I never went back uh, because mm -hmm. I wanted to have all of those things in my memory as like things that I experienced. But from this point forward, I wanted to be a different character. Um, and we saw something like this also, too, from Rupert Friend, who did the Grand Inquisitor for Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi. He said, you know, yeah, obviously, I, I, I remember those scenes and I, I did that, but I didn't go back and revisit the character. We're not having it in my memory, but I wanted to bring something new because we're past that at this point. So um, uh, that that's the story. I'm going to start with you on this one, Lacey. Um, do you have any thoughts on how she approached it? Uh, this time around i'm enjoying her answers to this i i think 
as with every character that's come before her that's made this jump from animation to live action, obviously they're coming with a, a group of people in the Star Wars universe that are very passionate about their characters and who played them previously, just like with Ahsoka. So she was kind of already put in a position of like having to prove herself, so to speak. Now, not to me. I don't think she has to prove anything. But to some fans, they feel like she does, especially because she's take, you know stepping into shoes that were already being worn by someone else. I do appreciate that she calls out Tia Sakar and says like, hey, she did an amazing job. She is Sabine. And now it's my turn to take it and make it something else. And that's okay too. And I think Rosario Dawson has also been very vocal about how Ashley Eckstein has done an amazing job up until a certain part. And then, you know, they're friends and she is inspired by that performance, but she also has to make it her own. And I think Natasha does a great job of talking about that. Here and 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 I appreciated how she was saying how she kind of once she started shooting, she just kind of let it breathe, so to speak, is what she had said. Mm-hmm. I think that's the perfect way to explain it, right? It's just like once you you got to take a step back. Once you're in your own vibe and your own acting, you can't just go back and reference something else because after a while, it just turns into you copying someone, and nobody wants that. Everybody wants something new and original and fresh. And I don't think people are expecting her to copy the previous uh, performance. I did enjoy her talking about Dave Filoni being on set and how important it was for her to, for him to be there because he is, you know, not only important to Star Wars, but this Rebels family and these characters that he understands them better than anybody else. So to have that kind of lifeline for her was super important to not only taking the character to a new place, but also kind of grounding her into making sure what she was doing was right, you know, while also letting her breathe. Um, so yeah, I, I can't wait to see what she does with this character. John, any thoughts? Yeah, definitely. Because when you look at um, the character of Ahsoka, because we've gotten that, like Lacey said, you know, Rosario Dawson went through this, having to follow up Ashley Eckstein. For a longer period of time than Tia Sakar was Sabine, you know, a lot of Clone Wars, um, including the Clone Wars movie, uh, Rebels, Ahsoka has changed as a character. You know, she's much more of the um, wiser, stoic, quote, unquote, Jedi. Um, and if if Rosario were to try to do an impression of Ahsoka and use early seasons of the clone wars or even when she first gets into the mix in rebels it's those are different versions of ahsoka than we have now in this point in time so it's smart of dave filoni to one i'm not saying he made sure they did this but um have them acknowledge the respect for what came first uh, always you got to do that um you got to diffuse the fans uh even even if they may not need to be diffused but then also (laughs) as the showrunner and taking these characters in the story forward knowing that sabine from everything i saw in these trailers this looks like this series it's called ahsoka but this really looks like a hero's journey so to speak of sabine um fulfilling her destiny so she has to move forward with her character so going back and and trying to do an impression never works. I mean, we've gone over and over with fans telling us who didn't like Solo that Anthony and Gruber should have played Han Solo because he looks and sounds more like Harrison Ford. I'm like, 
you took a five minute YouTube impression and yeah, he played a younger version of him in age of Adeline, but it would have been really bad to see that for two hours. It just would have felt stale and strange and like an SNL skit. I think this is a, it would have, it would have been like watching the first 10 minutes of dial of destiny, but it's the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not only like, that, people what are we seem doing? To, <laughs> people seem to forget that they auditioned him. Yeah. Lord and Miller right. auditioned him. Right. And they right. went back to Alden. So right. I always lean on that too of like the creators thought they picked who was best. And I trust their judgment on that. Yeah. And he so he's allowing her to become Sabine now. She owns that character now moving forward and that just makes a lot of sense because every character goes through growth and i think sabine is about to go through a lot in these next eight episodes and then the other thing that isn't as um deep or interesting is just the fact that she essentially watched everything in the timeline up until the ahsoka show she didn't mention watching the newer movies that take place after this stuff she watched everything that leads up to her character which makes sense because galactic events that take place after this story could mess her up. So mm-hmm. I think it's smart to like, if she wasn't that big of a star Wars fan, which I'm guessing maybe she wasn't get caught up on everything that takes your character to this point in time. So right. I think it sounds like the discipline and the care that they're putting into carefully molding this character as Sabine moves forward is all in the right place. And it, it again, like Lacey said, it just, it's not surprising to me because it is Dave Filoni doing it. If all these quotes and all these things happened and someone else was the showrunner, fans would probably be really worried and concerned. But when you put all the things that I just mentioned together and then add the fact that it's Dave Filoni uh, behind the wheel, I think we're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know what else I can add to that. Uh, like I set it up at the top. I think this is the smartest approach that you can make on this especially with uh, what we know every actor wants to do nobody wants to do you know uh an impression of the person who played the character before they always right. you know they're, they're always advised like even if that was the case they're like man i'm going to try to do the best job i can at being that person and recreating that character for this role most of the time directors producers even your talent uh managers and stuff they're like don't do that <laughs> Don't do that. You're being hired because you're you uh, and Mm -hmm. they want to bring whatever you have to that character. That's why you got hired. And um, the best thing you can do is sort of put in people's mind uh, that the character is more your not that it's like a competition, but you know what I mean? It's like you when people think of that character, you don't want them you don't want to be just like a footnote in that character's career. You also want them to think of you, the actor as the person who portrayed that character, even if other actors have played it as well. Um, right. And I mean, one, I mean, one example of that is like, yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi, like Alec Guinness, like even McGregor did not do an Alec Guinness impression and brought his own thing to the character. And Wouldn't now, it made sense. In a lot of ways, I think people think of Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi before they think of Alec Guinness. Uh, Now, that's not everybody, but it obviously means that there's like a duality to that character that when you, um, you know, when you when you when fans think of that character, um, the actor and the success of what that person brought to it, um, uh, you know, adds up to career potential, too, you know. Right, um, right. 
but but I love the whole thing about the I just want to have those things as memories uh, and move forward. And one of the one of the lines that I, and this doesn't actually have to do with the acting aspect of it, but I love that uh, she said uh, Sabine's only thinking about that obligation that she has towards Ezra. And I just remember there were a couple times um, that they've shown like clips and or like in Rebels and stuff where she's like he, the message happens and she's like. What am I supposed to do? You know, and it's like, that's Mm -hmm. how the show ended. And so I'm glad that like, you know, she's talking about that's what this is. You know what I mean? She she's got to Mm -hmm. figure it out. And it's been years and she still hasn't put it all together. So um, so I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, But let's move on to the next one here, uh, because we want to get to that discussion later, too. Um, (laughs) This next one is interesting because if you are a reader of Forbes, you probably found out <laughs> that Disney spent about $49 million on the Acolyte. Um, to put this into a little bit perspective. I just take like 1 million, you know, if they could just throw <laughs> me one mil. Um, Let me get yeah, 50,000 th- Acolyte dollars. Yeah, I'll take five bucks, actually. You want to buy uh, me a sandwich? Yeah, give me a Crunchwrap <laughs> Supreme. <laughs> Leslie Headland, thank you. Sorry, go ahead. James. Um, oh man, what, I, I can't make sense of this statement. Uh, it is a staggering five point five million more than Disney spent on pre-production of the of 2016's big screen Star Wars blockbuster Rogue One. Rogue One, yep. Yep. yeah. It's um now Andor did spend they say thirty eight percent more than that, but they said that because it took place during COVID, a lot of it was. <clears throat> a lot of that budget was pushed towards COVID protocols and stuff uh, in this article. And then they also said that uh, Disney only spent 17% more than that number on the last Jedi, uh, which is like, you know, one of their huge blockbuster Mm -hmm. movies and all this. So it, it raises that question again about, um, and in the article too, they talk about what Bob Iger has said recently about like, pulling back and cutting down uh, the amount that they spend because it's so much and also just the production in general. So it's not like moving forward with all the same shows, maybe actually canceling some of those shows, maybe not moving forward with projects that they had in mind uh, as another way to just, you know, drop having to spend $50 million. Hmm. Uh, So $49 million on the acolyte, which really runs around in that space of rogue one, uh andor the last jedi what are we thinking about this john i just hope the show is not wackalite when it comes out because that is a <laughs> lot of chase uh it makes me think of you guys ever see uh this is stacks spinal on tap? stacks on stacks of light <laughs> stack you guys ever see this is spinal tap yeah no so they're bu- they're building this uh stonehenge model for their stage and he accidentally uses inch markers instead of feet so when it lowers on the stage it's only 18 <laughs> inches instead of 18 feet and it just lowers behind christopher guest um so my point on that is it makes me wonder if when they went to submit the budget request for like obi-wan kenobi they, they instead of writing pre-production they just wrote production budget and they wrote 50 million and that's all they got to produce kenobi that's the only conclusion i can have because this is a lot of money and like you just mentioned james it's more in pre-production than rogue one had a major theatrical motion picture uh i get the whole thing about andor but when we heard about the budget for andor being you know over 
250 million dollars and i don't even know if that counted pre-production you know that returns not being made on a streaming service especially it was the lowest viewed star wars show the acolyte again is in that sort of bubble where it's like dark uh might be heavy i think there'll be humor in there because i think leslie helen you know has incorporated that into her shows like russian doll and stuff but it's one of those shows that yeah she's saying there's gonna be a lot of jedi and stuff but people are gonna sort of be like well when is this and i'm not sure if i'm gonna dial check in check this out it's a it's a risk i wonder if this is because this was made before all of this that's been happening with the strikes and you know disney taking these hits if we're ever going to see this again in this in terms of how much money's being put in which will lead us into our next story of course um but I, I don't know. It's all very interesting. And hearing, you know, these amounts and comparing them to how much was spent on the movies, it's just mind boggling to me because, again, like the Acolyte might be great and I hope it is. And look, it, again, it stole the show out of the stuff shown at Celebration for me. I visibly mm -hmm. reacted physically to that. Like, I was like, oh my God, wow, what is this? What is this? But it's, even if it's great, like, I don't know how they're going to recoup that. But at the same time, I like the, efforts that went into Andor and th and that uh I still love Mando of course but we can sort of see how the magician is doing his trick now a bit more because as they tell us more about how stagecraft is used and that sort of thing so we're looking for it I feel like more now with Kenobi Ahsoka Mando we're looking for the tricks whereas on these there's more sets so it's more like well it's just there it is you know they add visual effects of course but that pillar was really there and you know that sort of stuff so I, I I don't get hung up on this money stuff because it's not mine. But at the same time, I know that in order for Star Wars to keep making a lot of things and keep making them well, this stuff has to succeed. So I, it's just a staggering amount of money for pre-production, especially now that I understand how much that was in comparison to Rogue One, which was a major motion picture that made a billion dollars. So it's just kind of wild. And it might be the last we're seeing of this. But who knows but it's pretty crazy yeah um, i lazy i the things i would do with that money guys you would never <laughs> see me again <laughs> i'd go live my life but no um in all seriousness i it's obviously nothing compared how much was the total for andor wasn't it like 250 yeah well it, yeah and i don't know if that's without pre-production but yeah I just find these numbers, and this isn't just TV, movie lately too, budgets are just so, so gigantic that it's hard, like you were saying, John, to recoup that money or to make a business case of, hey, this was successful. And it kind of sets up the cast, crew, and people producing the TV shows and movies to succeed because then they're like, oh, I have to prove myself with you know, how many viewers or whatever, which as we know, the streaming services don't share those numbers anyway. So you're kind of like making content. And I know people don't like that word, making storytelling film and TV uh, to kind of like an empty audience. I know Tony Gilroy recently said that he was like, it's a weird concept to do streaming TV shows because usually with TV numbers, you'd get the numbers, you'd be like, oh, there's an audience there. He goes, I don't know who's watching this show. So it's kind of crazy to me that they're putting that much money behind these shows. Now, as a Star Wars fan, I'm pumped because it means that they're doing the best of right. the best with production costumes. They're getting the best cast. This 
cast is so stacked. It's insane, especially with, you know, the rumors and talk of Keanu Reeves even making a cameo in this show because that's in this article. And I was like, I don't know if that's something to talk about, but it felt like they were pretty open about like, well, we, we heard this weekend that Keanu Reeves is probably in the show. <laughs> I think that's killer. Like, uh, the funny thing is, is he's been fan casted as Darth Revan for Revan. like ever. Yeah. yeah, everyone's been talking like, oh, he'd be the best Revan. Which which so, they could still do. Th- this yeah. could be Revan because they moved Thrawn around and other things. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, it's just crazy to me. Uh, I, I do think that John brought up some really great points that things are changing. Things are changing every day, honestly. Thankfully. It's kind of nuts. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I've said that a couple times today. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I think that, you know, with Bob Iger's recent comments that James was discussing before, you can't ignore the fact that these studios are losing. I think it's like, was it $600,000 a day or 60 million, something in the sixes, uh, that with the strike. So they're looking at this show and if they are say it is 60 million, 49 million for the show, that's one day of this strike that they're losing and they're going, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. And with Bob Iger going, Hey, we're going to be making less Marvel star Wars and other content for streaming specifically. You have to look at shows like this where they're trying to cut costs and you see Disney turning around being like, okay, we got to cut 7,000 jobs. We got to do this. We got to do that. It's crazy to me with all those cutting, (laughs) cutting of costs that they're putting this much into the show. But as a star Wars fan, I'm happy that they are because I want them to be able to do the best show possible. I just hope that the payoff is there in the end. That they're Mm -hmm. like, yes, it was worth it. It was worth every dollar because this show is absolutely amazing. And I think we, the three of us always say this, it comes down to what the story is. If it's a good story, which I think Barbie has proven over the weekend, if it's a good story, people will go regardless of what it is. Now the studios took away from that. Hey, people like Barbie, we're going to make every toy movie ever. No, if it's a good story and it's original, it has like connection with the audience. People will show up and it's marketed really well. <clears throat> that too. Yes. Take notes. Disney. Jeez. Marketing enough. He's going to bury Harrison Ford in the shadows of this poster and hope everyone shows up. <laughs> Some- Why wasn't Harrison Ford doing the puppy interviews? Disney. That's what I want to know. Seriously. <laughs> Go ahead, James. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes when I read these, I get a little bit caught up just in the sheer like amount of numbers. I'm like, I, the, you know, $50 bajillion was spent uh, <laughs> designing a new Stormtrooper outfit. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't understand how any of that makes sense, but I'm sure it does when you look at, you know, how much things cost just, you know, in Hollywood or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was kind of, I, I was thinking... The way they compared this, they're like, okay, well, this is how it compares to, say, like Rogue One and The Last Jedi. And I was like, well, both of those pieces of content were like two hours. And I'm sure they probably were shooting for three hours that they cut down to like a little over two. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But with eight episodes of a show that's like 40 minutes each, I'm assuming it's eight episodes. I'm assuming each is probably around the 40 minute mark. Um, you're looking a lot more than three hours. So when you're moving around like between different sets and, uh, probably, uh, like more characters showing up because you have more time to spend, 
I don't know. It it actually sort of seemed like I'm like, well, yeah, pre-production on a show where where it's that long. And I mean, Andor proved it too. It had 12 episodes that they had to cover. And all of that combined should probably equal more than a movie if it's if it's actually on the same level as a movie as far as like general production goes, because you're just shooting more stuff. You're probably shooting twice easily the amount of uh, actual stuff that's going to show up on screen. So it's it starts to make sense. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then if you think about that fact, you would think, oh, well, then it would be it should be double Rogue One's budget. You know, it should be double the last Jedi's budget because of the length, but it isn't. Yeah, yeah. It's they still managed to keep it yeah. <laughs> down to as little as forty nine million. I don't know. Like, I think, um, I think what we saw at Celebration made it look like the show had a really high budget. Oh yeah, yep. uh, it definitely did. Um, and uh, you know what we saw at Celebration out of Ahsoka, or what we've seen out of uh, Boba Fett and Obi Wan, those shows didn't seem like they had as big of a budget. And we're not hearing articles about like how much they, oh my God, they spent so much on pre-production for Obi Wan, you know, right. and it shows, right? So I think I think that regardless of the conversation of how much companies are spending and all that, I think this is just a simple sign of like it's going to have the quality that maybe like Andor or the films do. So right. the, I guess get excited about that. Um, uh, do you guys want to move on to the last one? Last story? Let us super chat first. Yeah, I was going to oh, say, sure. let's jump into some super chats. First we up, we have yeah. Mickey Bell. What up, Mickey? Looking so cool in those shades. Thank you for the super chat. He said, hey guys, so do any of you think Lucasfilm is going to try to snap up Greta Gerwig up or to snap get Greta Gerwig up for a Star Wars project following the success of Barbie because I did. He has a laughing face. Well, seeing as Greta, first of all, is insanely talented. I'm so happy for her as someone that like has always kind of st- stayed true to like what she wants to do as a vision and like what she believes in and the strong female characters love that. She's already signed on for Netflix to do Chronicles of Narnia. So I don't see them snapping up her anytime soon. I would love for her to come to Star Wars, but I think right now because she's just moved into the Chronicles of Narnia, she's not. She's going into that wardrobe. She's uh, busy for a little bit. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? James, I'll, I'll let you close this out by letting us know what movie she would do before, after the announcement and before the release of her Star Wars movie that would end the Star Wars project. Oh, <laughs> well, the, it's the James Curse. The Chronicles of Narnia. Oh no! <laughs> so Narnia no, no. has to be terrible. If she, so, if she gets announced for a Star Wars thing, yeah, those Narnia, there's a guarantee that the Narnia thing will be bad. So yeah, they're so obviously this, joking. <laughs> yeah, this scenario would be Mickey being bright. They do snatch her up. They make the announcement on the heels of Barbie, and they're like, "Get excited, everybody! We've got one of the best directors in Hollywood coming to Star Wars." Woo! And then, uh, as soon as as soon as she's ready, there's only one of two possibilities. Either she makes Chronicles of Narnia and it's terrible, or she makes Chronicles of Narnia and never, ever, ever gives updates on Star Wars ever because it never happens. <laughs> like Ryan Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She either goes like whenever she's Patty ready, Jenkins we'd love to have or Ryan her. Johnson. Yeah. One of the one of the two. One of the two. Uh, but I haven't seen Barbie yet. I've heard it's amazing. No spoilers. I'm just so happy for its success because it 
I was hoping it would show people like, hey, original creative production design and characters and stories with humor and heart are what people want to see. And they're like, so you guys want to see Potato Head? And you're like, no, no, you guys missed it. <laughs> Studios. Um, but anyway, it just makes me hype that people like going to uh, the movies again. I know that there's been a lot of crazy tales of the movies, especially after COVID. Like people treat the movie theater like their living room now. Mm-hmm. taking pictures and stuff of the screen that's wild um so i don't know when i'm gonna see it probably gonna see it when it comes out on demand but no spoilers until that happens <laughs> um all right what a time i'm basically telling the whole world to not spoil me what well i'm just saying what a time to be alive where we're like a, <laughs> where like a legitimate serious quote is please do not spoil the barbie movie for me <laughs> i don't want to be spoiled. no I, and i'm saying it's a legitimate thing to say but out of context you're like what I know, I know. I gotta find a time. I think I'm gonna like pick a really early morning time when like no one's there, right? When the movie theater opens, and hopefully, like I gotta assume there's nothing to spoil. I mean, even if it's like it all ends where she learns a lesson or something. Once upon a time in Malibu, I don't think there's like a twist or something. You know, it's funny you say that, James. I did see one thing, and I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but it made me laugh Uh, uh, because it was so odd. Well, it was just comparing it to another movie that I've already seen. Oh. Which people were saying it was like Lego movie. They're like, Will Ferrell is the bad guy in a toy movie where they find themselves at the end. And they're like, oh, I'm yeah. like, oh. So they're like, it's Lego movie. <laughs> I was like, okay. All right. Next ooh, next super chat, Frank. Hey, Frank. How's Frank. it going? Hope you're well. Thank you for the super chat. You said, can't make it tonight, but wanted to say hi and hope everyone's doing well. Uh, Thank you so much. You're doing well. We miss you thanks, in the chat, everyone. bud. But uh, thanks for the super chat. It means a lot. Uh, and that's what we have for now. Cool. Now we get to well, a good story. Not that the other oh. ones weren't good, but like this one's really good. Yeah, this one's kind of rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, rough? Yeah, I mean, just like like the whole scenario of like, well, we'll, we'll get into it. Because um, we so just talked is, about this last week, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the story here is brought to us by Jeff Snyder uh, from Above the Line. Um, Jeff is killing it. Killing yes. it. Yeah. And that's the thing is like when I when I hear it comes from Jeff, there's an immediate legitimacy to it. I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I, I text that, these guys and I'm I like, Jeff's true. got an update. Yeah. yeah. So Jeff, so, if you're watching or John Roca's watching, like we're means, constantly like Jeff and John are talking about this. Yeah, it means yeah. John Roca can keep a secret. That's what that means. It does, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So in this story, um, Above the Line has exclusively learned that Donald and his brother, Stephen Glover, are now going to be writing the Lando series uh, as Justin uh, Simeon, right? Simeon. He gets stuck on Simeon. His, Simeon. Um, he has been working on the project and we talked about him last week because he did uh, an article or he did an interview where he was like, I don't really know what's up with it. And then he even did one like today that came out that talked about uh, him uh, with the Hollywood Reporter. And he was saying, uh, I think I'm attached, but I don't really know. The last thing they told me is they liked it, but they needed to put a pin in it uh, so they could figure out everybody's availability. And I haven't investigated further, but I'm not an idiot. But then when this report comes out, uh, Schneider is saying that he is basically saving face and he's known he's been not part of the project since last summer uh, when uh, he bowed out to continue to focus on the Haunted Mansion movie. 
Uh, and it all comes down to how good uh, the, the article talks a little bit more about how good uh, Donald Glover's brother is. And obviously Donald Glover being as, Glover is being talented as he is with all the stuff that they've done for Atlanta. There's a lot there to the story. Most of that makes a lot of sense. Um, and my just hot take on it was well not hot take but what i've been saying is i think this has all been on donald and there's a good chance that the script wasn't what he wanted to do he looked at it he read it he's like i don't want to do that that's not the lando that i envision in my head haunted um, mansion is not doing well by the way oh yeah I'm throw I that out there it's got like a 50 some 15 percent for critics and then like a 32 percent for audience it is not doing well yeah um mm -hmm. that's the vibe that i've been getting getting from uh when he did his interview on i think it was like kimmel and then he did the other one where it was the, just being asked questions like on the around celebration yeah yeah both of those two it felt to me that he was saying uh, I'd love to return to the character, but it's gotta be good. So obviously they looked at it. They said, it's not good. I don't, I don't want to do that. And mm -hmm. then the schedule pushback has been whenever he's not only have the time to just star in it, but now he's got to write it. And he's like, I, I, we can't move forward with this until I and my brother rewrite this thing. And so whenever that happens, it looks like that's when the Lando series can pick back up into a bigger production, which side note, th they were signed on to write this long before all the strikes and stuff. So th this article came out and it's not like this deal happened last night. So yeah. Um, Lacey, yeah. what are your thoughts on uh, Schneider's report here? Well, I first want to give some props to Bruno in the chat. What up, Bruno? He's got some star face emojis and heart faced emojis, mm -hmm. heart eye emoji. Bruno is the one that tagged me in the story on Twitter and I saw it because before I go do the show, you know, got to get ready, do my hair and makeup and stuff. So when I'm getting ready, I get tagged and stuff. And I saw the story and I immediately texted it to these guys being like, wow, this broke tonight. So mm -hmm. Bruno, I want to give you a, a high five virtually for thanking you for tagging me in it. And that's just a shout out to everybody that tags us and stuff. It really means a lot when you guys let us know when stuff's breaking because we're human and we're not online 24 seven. So it really means a lot. Um, and we're just as excited as you guys are. So when anything solo related and we get tagged in it, it's just so exciting. Um, so this is kind of heartbreaking for Justin. I'm not gonna lie, James, I get what you're saying. It's like kind of this weird, like you're hyped, but at the same time, you're like, Ooh, I kind of feel bad. Cause it's just, I, I just said it was crazy because it's that same thing of like, yeah. who's lying? Like what, what's the, you know, spoiler alert, like Damn. what oh. is happening with this thing? And then you find out like, oh, well, he's been not holding the, tr or he's been holding back the truth for a year. And it's like, this is rough, man. That's, that's what, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that's a good, it's, it's confusing and it, it kind of makes you iffy on the product. Like you want to stick by the production team and you want to stick by Lucasfilm and Disney when they're paying their people. But outside of that, like when they're doing these types of things, but it's hard to do that when you hear all these different things and you're like, I feel like I'm being lied to. Like, I feel like yeah. I'm not getting the truth. Um, I agree with you though. I think this was figured out a long time ago. I think Justin's comment last week at the Haunted Mansion premiere, which by the way, he was on that carpet by himself, uh, was very much coming from a place of hurt. You know, we talked about this last week, but when you put your heart and soul into something creatively, it probably hurts and burns when it doesn't work out the way you want it to. 
And he made comments that like, hey, I've pitched and developed multiple things for studios that just don't work out, that I, we get told no. And we know specifically with Haunted Mansion, I remember Guillermo del Toro had pitched a Haunted Mansion movie that he wanted to do and Disney passed on it. Like you're looking at that and you're like, oh my God, Guillermo del Toro. So I understand the frustration there on his end just from someone that does, you know, makes stuff, makes content, is creative online, that when someone tells you like, hey, yeah, this is great, and then you never hear back, like it's hurtful. So mm. that sucks. On the other end, away from that, with no disrespect to Justin, I am hyped because nothing is going to be better than a show with Lando where it's written by Donald Glover. He's 120 thousand percent in if he's writing it and we know how good he is he's good musically he's good in acting he he's got like unbelievable amounts of creativity and like he's a talented genius so to speak that i wouldn't want anybody else writing it but him i think he's going to be able to do an amazing job based on his past experiences with his creative projects and just also his clear care for the character and I understand that from the interview he gave earlier this year, like for him to say, you know what, stop, I'm not going to do this unless it's, it's good. I respect that mm -hmm. because he's putting his name on it and he wants to be a hundred percent behind it. So yeah. I'm hyped. I think it's gonna be great. Now I hopefully we get Han and Chewie and or eventually more solo stuff, but I think this is a great, great start to that journey with all those characters and Kira. And I look forward to seeing him playing this role again. He killed it. So what better than to have Donald Glover writing and starring in the show that he cares about? Yep. I think mm -hmm. I think that for me is the thing that sort of gives me the most amount of hope is that you're now having somebody write the Lando series that was involved with Solo who signed on mm -hmm. to Solo, saw the vision in Solo, saw the vision in the character of Lando and why you would want to see that character uh, portrayed at this time in that character's life. Um, they got it. And and when, when Solo maybe doesn't perform as much as you would like, you go, oh man, that's a missed opportunity. Well, I still really want to do that character. So I'll do, I'll, I'll, some, somebody write me Lando and I will come back to that character. Then they see the script and they go, that's not right. No, no, no. It's not, it, I'm not feeling that. This character, this story, it's more important than that. Right. I can't just do that for the paycheck. If I'm coming back to that character, he has to live up to what we wanted to do with Solo. Whether, I don't know if Donald Glover felt that 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 his the portrayal of Lando was uh, not what he signed up for with Solo, it surely mm -hmm. wasn't as successful as maybe what he had hoped for. But, I think he loved it from what but I like yeah. interviews and stuff. I get the feeling that they they really liked what they did with the movie and then it came out and did its thing. So I think when he's saying this, he's saying it's got to be at least as good as Solo or better. And and right. this was not. So I've I'm going to. I'm going to make sure that my award winning, you know, Emmy award, you know, brother and I put this thing together to make sure that it's it's uh, as good as it can be. Uh, what a great I, story I really too! like a family created show is like such a nice narrative on the publicity side, honestly, yeah. John. Yeah. And one thing of note that 
when this story broke, I like looked into Stephen Glover a bit closer and I don't know how often SNL allows this, but for his episode in 2018 that he hosted, Donald Glover brought in his brother to write skits for that week. I love that. Oh, that's cool. So that alone shows how much he, I don't want to say relies, but trusts his brother to help bring out the best. And of course, there's the series Atlanta that they both did together that had praise from critics and audiences and awards. Um, but also like that alone, because SNL, you know how big of a, you hear always hear the stories of how big of a just fighting over the last slice of pizza can be in the writer's room where people are trying to get their skits in and they're pitching them to the host and stuff. And he's like, I, I'm going to come in, but I, I got to bring my brother in for at least some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's credited as having written on that episode. So I found also, that we love a, a brother fighting for another brother. Love. That. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think this is good news. I mean, of course, you know, you always feel bad when someone who was clearly put a lot into the development of something has to right. get us in a project because yeah. all we do is hear, hey, this person's developing this show. Uh, this person's no longer developing the show. And you don't see the years and whatever went into yeah. developing it. Like, that sucks. And I, I, I can't even imagine what that must feel like. So I hope Simeon goes on to find further success mm-hmm. in the future. But seeing this, I agree. He is now fully behind the wheel. Um, I, I like that idea. I still don't know what a series just about Lando looks like. So I got to hope that they are going to thread in follow-ups to Solo that were clearly left wide open. So if this becomes our de facto you know, Solo 2 and we get to see maybe a couple episodes, because I don't know that it would be just one season. So say it's really good and they do another season. Like It'd be cool to see what's going on and like how Lando gets entangled maybe with the syndicates and you get Han and Chewie for a couple episodes, you get Kira and Maul or something. There's a lot of potential here in this timeline. And so that gets me excited. And, and I really like Donald Glover a lot um, from community. Uh, I didn't watch all of Atlanta, so I got to get caught up on that. But his music is my favorite thing that he does. Honestly, I'm a fan. Childish I'm a fan of, is, I'm a fan of wanna, his. If he's bringing his brother in to to help him with just a weak spot on SNL, you know how closely he likes working with him. So that's a good sign mm-hmm. too. So this to me, you know, we were very upset when we heard the news. Like as anyone would have. Oh, I haven't. I'm the showrunner of the show, and I haven't heard anything in three years. Like I thought, Lando was dead. I thought the series was dead. <laughs> all three of us did. We were all like. I, yeah, I, I was like, I've had enough, you know? No, I and wonder if that I said it's whenever it. Donald wants to, whenever he you wants did, to do James, it. You did, James, you totally did. Yeah. That's correct. I, part of me feels like those comments last week, this is why this was released today. But it's surprising that once again, this announcement didn't come from Star Wars. It didn't come from Lucasfilm. Right. It didn't come from Disney. It's come from someone Jeff, who's doing an amazing job. Yes, who's doing an amazing job getting scoops. But like, if you knew this was on lock, why wouldn't you just announce it? Well, that could be because of the strikes or something. I don't know. But could it? Because this seems like it was locked in earlier. Oh, yeah, I know. But it could be that whole thing. Like, it's too early to announce. uh, Or people would hate on it. People would be like, oh, yeah. They they have such a Mm -hmm. reputation of so many people exiting projects that they right. may have thought from a PR perspective, this is so far down the line from coming out where people could say, this was great. 
all sure. we have is to talk about the production. Why now you're telling me this is changing? Like, uh, let's not talk about it. Let's not. Put why it down. I think that's why that this Donald Glover is going to be writing the yeah. show when Donald Glover's not going to be writing the show until at least a year from now because oh, right. his schedule's not open. Right. No, right. But I'm saying last year when they when this happened. If they made that announcement, then they're looking at his schedule and he's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to write this, but it's not going to be for a while. And I think uh, they just had what, to instead of they making that announcement, they could have said it at celebration, though. They could have said he's that. not they acting right now because of the strikes or other things he's doing are on hold. You know, him and his brother are writing this series right now. So that's a good thing. So uh, I find yeah. that to be very exciting. Yeah. I think this puts the Lando series in a way more of a fortified stance when you put his name along with his brother uh, as attached to it. He was the big it, question mark, right? Like when they announced it, we all three of us were like, did they say Donald Glover? They didn't say anything. He's yeah, been, it, even he's in the article, it talked about Kimmel, Billy D. Williams or Donald yeah, Glover. Nobody knew. It, would, it was never going to be Billy D. Williams. But like, it could it could have been if they wanted to do no. the, the like Indiana Jones Narration thing. thing. Yeah. I don't yeah. like that. And I hope they don't do that. But I'm we'll just see. saying it's very like Indiana Jones thing, right? But that's Indiana Jones. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just think this is a good news and, and I'm excited to see what happens with it. Um, there's Probably. not much else to say. Yeah. Oh, I'm well, so hyped. I, so hyped. I, um, and other outlets confirmed it after Snyder. Variety so, did. Variety. Yeah. Yep. yeah. 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 So. Um, well, well done, I, Jeff. I, I was thinking I probably should start Atlanta because I just watched 65 and it was not. Not great. Don't tell me. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I, it's on my watch list. It's on Netflix. All. So yeah. I know it's on my, it's one of those things that it like when after a long day, you look at it and you're like, I don't know if I want to watch a movie. I'm going to watch an episode of Hoarders and then go to bed. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, everyone says yeah. it's so bad. It makes me so sad because it's Adam like Driver, a six out of 10. Adam Driver is so good. And it's just, he keeps picking these movies. <laughs> great. It makes um, me sad. All right. You guys want to get to the discussion this week? Yeah. I would love to do some super chats first. Oh, that's right. Let's is that possible? That yep. So first we have Luke. Em. Thank you so much, Count Pepto. What's up? He says, what's up, TRB? Hope you guys are doing well. If you could sneak any snack into a theater, not counting pretzels, you don't have to sneak those in. You could buy them at the theater, Luke. Uh, what would it be? John, what are you sneaking in? Um, probably like shrimp cocktail. Um, <laughs> maybe oh like a tuna on toast. Ew. Um, Ew. No, I don't, I'm just picking things that would seem gross. Smelly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I've snuck things in before. So, uh, yeah, you just pocket, you know, no one's checking. They don't even yeah, check but he's saying, stuff. what would you sneak in? Um, probably some kind of candy. Um, I was gonna say a pizza. I feel like you'd sneak in a pizza. A, a whole pizza? How am I sneaking in a whole pizza? You, if you could sneak in any snack, he's saying that you have the power to do that. Oh, then what yeah. What would probably. you sneak? Yeah. Yeah. James. I just don't know how I would do that. I'm. Don't worry. That's go, not the question. The question is. And thank you, you Luke. Could. <laughs> I would go with a cotton candy Dairy Queen Blizzard or a mint mint chocolate chocolate chip uh, Cold Stone Creamery. Oh, ice cream. That's a good one. Yeah, not bad. That is a good one. I'm going to go with something that is not something well known, but it, they have it, you know, six minutes from my house. There's this pizza place that makes these things called a, a club crust. 
<laughs> and what it is is it's a club sandwich that they take a pizza dough and they make the pizza with like cheese and stuff no sauce just like the dough and the cheese and then they put the so- the sandwich topping stuff in it and then they fold it over it's called a club a calzone? It's, calzone it's not a calzone <laughs> it is not a calzone they don't seal is it is the name of this place the low cow calzone zone <laughs> no it's capri pizza it's great but it's called a club crust so they bake the pizza and then they put the stuff in it and then they fold it over so they don't bake the stuff in it pre okay john first of all first of all i said i got a pizza from big y once and you flipped out and you were like capri is right there so now i'm saying i never capri. said capri is right there you you mentioned capri as bethel pizza places well because it is right there <laughs> you drive me nuts dude i you say things you're like, I say it's right there you're probably like at least go to that place over yeah, that's what i meant place. i would it's yeah, across yeah. the street yeah i wouldn't pick it because there's 40 pizza places around there but okay first yeah. of all capri's rated number one in bethel so i don't know what you're talking about anyway yes, club well, people also take... like famous which is a complete disaster famous has gotten really good so look at li- listen listen famous pizza they their pizza was trash for a while they went to like this really weird crust and they expanded too quickly into a restaurant so then during covid they realized oh wait we can't have a restaurant anymore and then they went back down back to just a to p- their crappy greek pizza no 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 they went back to a pizza place right. and redid their pizza so now it's more of like a wood fire pizza right. bethel pizza house is greek pizza that's a thick thick pizza mm, not a big yeah. fan of that but People really like that as well. I like anyway, <laughs> I digress. Anyway. Yes, club crust. I would sneak the club crust in. It's my favorite Boom. sandwich. All right. All right. Thanks, Luke. Freezy Longest two three two four. <laughs> it is not. First of all, this is it's not a real episode of TRB Live without Freezy <laughs> sending us a super chat. So Freezy, Thank you. first of all, your photo is beautiful. I'm assuming that is your wife or girlfriend. Unless you're just really friendly with I think that's your Pandora. Friend. <laughs> it looks beautiful though. What is, where is that? Bali? I don't know. Anyway, he says Lando series all but guarantees Han and Chewie cameos, right? Right? Also, John, do you have every Star Wars movie poster hung up? So well, let's start with the first part. Do we think Han and Chewie are showing up? Let's go around. Just yes or no. Yes. We go to Lando. We go to Lando. Yes. I think yes too. Okay, great. John, do you have every Star Wars poster hanging up? I don't. I have a poster for every Star Wars movie, but I have that he likes. No, I'm four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine, and Solo. Of course, I have Rogue One, and I have the prequels. I just haven't hung them up yet because that side of the room, like my kids, have dominated. Have dominated. Oh Have dominated. Have dominated. Have dominated. Have dominated. Have dominated. <laughs> all right well he's out <laughs> <laughs> i do want to mention by the way that banjo wookie love that said that he's sneaking in an entire thanksgiving sandwich or thanksgiving dinner. dinner into and all i could think of is like you sneak in the dinner but also the tv tray into the movie theater and you're like setting up the tv tray oh yeah 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 <laughs> everyone's saying remix in the comments remix <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Technical difficulties, but it's all good. 
So now we're going to head to the last super freezy. Thank you so much uh, mm-hmm. for your super chat. We really appreciate it. And I really want to know where you are in your photo. Looks beautiful. Last but not least, we have a super chat from Ben Bamboo. Love yeah. that. Love alliteration. B-B-B. He says, Lacey and crew, if I left my Lando series pitch in the comments after the stream, would you give me your honest opinions about it? A hundred percent. And I oh, think yeah. everybody watching and or listening should head to the comments and give their opinion as well. Let's get a combo I, going about this. Series can, you know what? John, John's not here. I've got a slight hot take. I I, <laughs> I love how James I like, I'm going to say this while John's not while here. he's gone. All right. So <laughs> I, I kind of have this feeling that Lando is its own thing. He says he's a little bit uh, not sure about where a Lando sure. series that can that character carry all on his own and how it's this perfect way to, to work in um, more solo adventures and stuff. But when I was first approached, when I first did the investors call and they said Lando, I knew immediately that that was a character that could go on his own and have his they own showed stories his ship, and adventures. Like the brand new one. And I, mm. I think that still is the direction of the show that it's going to be focused on him and other people that we've never met before a bunch of new characters, whether they're love interests or, or, or other allies, but not so much like what we've seen before because there could or could not be, he still hears me. He's dominate, still me. dominate, He's dominate. Listening. <laughs> I, I think Lando is a strong enough character that you could go, Hey, uh, you've seen him in this, but like, do you know what his day to day life is? What, what other kind of, uh, hijinks he gets into? It's all over here in the Lando series. And I think I think he can carry a show for absolutely the, the character, not Donald Glover, because obviously Donald can do it. But um, John, welcome back. Yeah. What I miss? Would you uh, give nothing, your, nothing uh... important? Nothing important. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Ben's just asking if we would go into the comments after the stream and give him our in honest opinions about his series pitch. And I said, yes, absolutely. We love talking about this stuff. Please, mm-hmm. yeah. please give your speculation. And then thanks for the super chat, Ben. And then I'm just going to come back to Freezy really quick. And he said they're in Thailand in the photo. Oh, That's stunning. Nice. Stunning. Um, but it's been a fun, it's been a fun chat about the news. But now I'm assuming we're going to go somewhere else, right, James? Yes. Yeah. Let's go to the discussion. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. All right. So the discussion for this episode, uh, George Lucas and the clash between executives and filmmakers. Now, uh, it's been well documented for decades how George Lucas feels about the guilds, uh, how he feels about corporations running movie studios and how it sort of shaped him into being this sort of independent rebel making uh, films the way he always wanted to make them. And it was always very important for him to never waver in his vision as an artist and uh you got to respect that and he always felt that way and that that's one thing that really never changed for him and that's why he'll always be sort of my hero because he just refused to allow people to tell him what to do with his movies now whether you love them all or not he told the stories he wanted to tell how he wanted to tell them and i think that's really cool um so before we get into this discussion we're gonna play uh George Lucas himself speaking to Charlie Rose. Uh, now it's available on the Charlie Rose YouTube channel, but it obviously wasn't streamed on YouTube uh, a few years back about his thoughts about all of this and how corporations sort of uh, muddle up everything when it comes to filmmaking. Talk about the movie business today because you and Steven Spielberg were down at USC 
And you made a note of the fact that if we have seven or eight of these sort of big extravaganza films that we have now, uh, like take your choice of titles, if five or six of those don't make it, there's going to be an implosion, right? Well, yeah, I think the issue is ultimately what are you selling in the end? You're selling creativity, raw creativity from talented people. Now, the problem has always been with the studios, although the beginning of the studios, the entrepreneurs who ran the studios were sort of creative guys. They would just take books and turn them into movies and do things like that. But when I grew up, it was the first time they allowed film students in. Before, we were like, you, you could never get in the movie business. But when, in the 60s, the kids that were in film schools loved film. They just loved it. And so they didn't care that they couldn't get a job or make movies or anything, but they were doing it in school, so they were just going to stay there as long as they could. So the issue came is, like, the day I arrived at Warner Brothers lot for this scholarship, Jack Warner left. And then they sold it to uh, Seven Arts, which was in, in uh, Canada, and then another one sold it to Sony and to Coca-Cola. And suddenly all these corporations were coming in. They didn't know anything about the movie business. So they said, well, maybe we should hire kids from film schools. They supposedly know how to make films. So suddenly we could get jobs, which was a fantastic thing. And for a few years, they kind of let us do our job. We, the producers made the movie, you know, produced the movies and did the budgets and did the things, and we did it. All of my movies came in on budget and on time, and, and they made money. And a lot of my, all my friends, you know, that, that whole gang of people, made successful movies. But then the studios went back to saying, well, we don't trust you people, and we think we know how to make movies. You know, I took a, 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 a script course at San Diego State, and so I'm going to tell you how to make these movies. <laughs> and, that, and of course, that was, I fortunately yeah. got through before that really happened. By the time I got to Star Wars, I said, I'm out of here. I mean, I was still in San Francisco, <laughs> so I never got bugged by the LA industry, but uh, because all the executives have to fly to San Francisco to talk to me. So, but then I just said, I'm going to do the worst thing you can do, which is to finance my own movies, but then nobody can touch me. And so I did that. But for the guys that stayed behind, it yeah. became almost intolerable that the studios change everything all the time. And unfortunately, they don't have any imagination and they don't have any talent. So what are you selling? Oh my God. I mean, what a perfect <laughs> clip for what's happening right now. And yeah. it just, when, because I remember him saying that, and I think it's, he says something, an abridged version of this in, I believe, Empire of Dreams. Um, but, and this was a few years ago. So for anyone listening and watching, this wasn't like right now about what's happening with the strikes and stuff, but you can plug it right in. And I mean, that's like, been his opinion since before 77. Forever. You know? yeah. yeah. And it shaped, like I said, how he does everything. And always did everything. So I think I think this is so fitting to hear him say that stuff because that's exactly what's going on right now. And he, the, he's speaking to this before even the AI stuff. And I was watching um, another person people should follow on Instagram, uh, Michael Jammin. He's a writer. And I've been following him for a while, even before all the strikes and stuff. But he's really developed a following of late. Clayton Sandell did an interview with him. And he's a TV writer. And he's been a writer for uh, 30 years. He's part of uh, WGA. And he was talking about how like these companies are going to, unless regulations are put in place, they're going to use AI to uh, scrape your data, 
and and put demographics together to f- shape this perfect thing that they could spoon feed you to say like you like this and it's just the exact opposite of art and it's very dangerous and i know a lot of people are talking about residuals and all that stuff and all that stuff is important but what george lucas just said there about they have no imagination they have no talent it's because they don't and more corporations now own studios than ever before and it's just become uh, a scary mess in terms of what's being put out there now i do enjoy a lot of what's been made but hearing George Lucas talk about it and having him having had this thought for decades, and it may be even getting more dangerous than ever with the blending blurred lines of what's AI and what's not. Uh, it's truly wild that he sort of he's ahead of his time in filmmaking, but ahead of his time in, in understanding how important it is to let filmmakers be filmmakers. And my last point before I bring you guys in is you can sense in what he's saying is maybe those movies that Coppola made Spielberg made and he made were successful, but the arrogance of a studio executive is what you need to get to that level as a studio executive. And they thought, well, we can make more money on the Godfather. We can make more money on American graffiti. We can make more money on close encounters or whatever. And they just inject themselves into freaking everything. And it's just crazy to think that they think they can do that now coupled with things like AI. So it's just such a perfect clip. And that whole interview is great with Charlie Rose. Every interview he did with George Lucas is great. But I wanted to hear what you guys thought about just listening to that and how that applies to what's been happening. Go ahead, James. You know, you know it's funny. Like while, while you were describing that, it just dawned on me that because uh, I don't know all the details of, of striking things and how things are operating right now, but it feels to me like now might be the perfect time to make an independent movie about George Lucas fighting the studios. <laughs> and it would have this like sort of tie of like, you know, hey, Star Wars is huge. So if you like Star Wars and you want to hear George Lucas's story, like as a as a movie, you know, like, they do that all the time with the, this guy. Watch him battle, you know, against the uh, the odds or whatever. Um, they they can they could easily tell a great story about a person who was being pushed around by the higher ups and decided that. I don't like the the status quo. You know, I don't like what you guys have set up. Um, and I'm going to do everything in my ability to work with you as little as I possibly can until I get the money to say I'm doing it all myself and how to handle that stuff. Because in preparation for this, I watched other things where he would do these interviews and he would look at the contracts and how they were split 50-50 and he would ask them, why do you get 50% of the movie? And then they would explain it. And then the next time the contracts came around, he's like, Oh, I'm doing that now. So I'm getting a hundred percent. And they're like, what? You know, and it's like, it's just this, <laughs> like this understanding of how things maybe should work, but people generally don't follow the way that they think it should work because they're easily convinced that the system has been working this way for a long time. So if you think it should work differently, you're wrong. You know, or like, or there's a lot of money involved. Now is not the time to be changing things up. Let's do it like we always have done it. And George Lucas just had the, I mean, it's kind of tale as old as time as far as anybody that's ever said like, you'll never make it in the music business. And then they're like, I'm just going to be my own thing and make my own music. And then it just is what it is. You know, um, it's successful because it's different or creative or, or it just is good and the Big wigs couldn't see that because there was there's no 
analytics before that that said things like this are successful so put money into that right right i i i couldn't agree more i think oftentimes what we've seen with studios and in this conversation with george which for me it was really triggering because a lot of the stuff he's saying isn't just relevant within studios it's relevant in corporate america like Mm -hmm. any office i've ever worked in like the kind of lower level people come up with these really creative, new, innovative ideas. And then the higher ups, managers and other people, middle management, higher ups go, oh, that's a good idea. Let's scrap exactly what you came up with and do what we always do. Or let's scrap what you do and do what I think is right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just this like triggering that's thing. That's risky. Like, ah. This is yeah. proven. We we always see a t- 10% but then increase they want when risks. we do this. And it's yeah. Like, and then you're hearing things now with not just the strike, but like, I've said a couple times already, but like the Barbie stuff or like even Disney when Pirates of the Caribbean was was so well done and did so amazing at the box office, their takeaway was, oh, so people like movies based on rides. And it's like, no, people like action adventure romance movies that have like mm-hmm. good actors and a good story. And they're like, so you guys want Haunted Mansion? <laughs> and they're like, no, we don't. So it's just like stuff like that that happens or like when you hear about how many actors and creators want to make uh, directors, producers, writers want to make rom-coms and audiences want rom-coms. Crazy Rich Asians is a prime example. People want rom-coms and then studios turn around and they're like, no, nobody likes that. The algorithm says people don't like that. Like why? <laughs> like they're taking away the wrong things. And I think this interview was perfect from George where they're like, when they have nowhere to turn, they go to the creative people. Then the creative people make something that's amazing. And then they turn around and go, oh, that's mine now. So I'm going to yeah. beat this until I get all the money out of it and then move on to that next thing. Cause I don't need you anymore. Cause I know better. And it's yeah. just funny because the best things we've had in pop culture and movies and TV and books, comics have been when people didn't have to answer to a studio or didn't have to answer to some type of higher up executive. And they just were able to create. And I think that the fact that we've gotten into such a business of show business is really, like George said, killing creativity. It's it's making people n- not do their best work. And I think it also speaks to what we've seen with Star Wars, where studios get too involved. Higher ups get too involved in the creative process and don't allow people to do what they're good at. You bring in these directors, you bring in these writers, there's a reason you brought them in. There's a reason well, they're good at what they good they're good at, and then they're turning around and saying, "No, no, you can't do this anymore. Let's get you out and get someone else in." Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's like when it's like when a bar starts uh, making Kino available, and you know, it's like that's the death nail of a bar when they start like trying to get people <laughs> in to play Kino. I have so no idea you see, what you're talking about, but okay. <laughs> if you see a local bar and they start offering Kino games, then you know that bar is on the way out. Oh, so, really? my, yeah. My, yeah. Cause it's just like this last ditch effort or they do like, <laughs> you know, little people wrestling or something. It's just ridiculous. So my point is like these studios are so obsessed with the, um, the things that work, but then when those things stop working, like, I think they're, you know, look at the flash. I think people are getting tired of like, let's keep trying these things. And it's less and less where you're seeing in the theaters organic original movies coming out that aren't tied to an existing brand. Like, yeah, Barbie's an original new thing, but it's tied to a brand that has existed for 70 years or whatever. 
it's like it's rare to see a new movie about something fresh that comes out in theaters because they're like let's just keep making sequels reboots that they're doing the live action run of the disney movies like this new snow white sounds like it's going to be terrible i just don't understand like what they think they're doing and to me it's they're insulting their audience because they think we're just going to eat it up because it says the little mermaid on it or snow white on it or lion king or whatever Well, disney has said before that that's their strategy and intentions for the past three to five years has been this nostalgia filled Uh, stuff i think audiences are slapping back and saying like no like we liked that stuff when it came out because it felt new when lion king came out in 93 or 94 it captured everybody because it, it was new and it was special I love John Favreau, but when that remake came out, I was like, I don't even want to go see this. I didn't see it. Yeah. So I I guess what what I'm trying to get to here is I feel like there is a need for the audience to also push back, which is starting to happen. And then I don't want to get too far down in terms of like casting out a conspiracy because I am a Disney kid and I always liked going to Disney and I feel good when I think about Disney as a consumer. And mm-hmm. as just that kid at heart, mm-hmm. but and I guess this is a good time to talk about conspiracies because they're, they're all talking. Everyone's talking about like aliens and stuff now and bodies and whatever. But I, if you if you think about George Lucas and the two things he was going to make, he, he wanted to make a Han Solo movie, and I believe he wanted to make another Indiana Jones movie. And out of all the movies that came out for Lucasfilm, which two were clearly marketed horribly? Solo and Indiana Jones Five. And it just makes me think that they're like, those were George's projects. Like, we're not going to put our, all of our resources into them because I don't know anybody who would say they did a good job marketing Indiana Jones 5 when you compare it to Barbie or even Oppenheimer, which is like this, like this depressing, dark, nonfiction. I think a lot of the marketing story. that they did it, was through fans and stuff like they've just been doing it differently too to yes to your point i think they've yeah. been thinking outside the box yeah like you can't do a a short where you have harrison ford sitting with a white background trying on all different kinds of hats and at the end he puts his fedora on and says like that's the right one that would probably go viral and people would talk talk indiana jones june 30th like they did none of that stuff are you kidding the most viral thing that went like nuts with Harrison Ford about Indiana Jones was when he was on the red carpet and they said, if you had a dial of destiny, where would you go? And he said, home. I want to go that home. That is the biggest <laughs> clip they had from that week was him Which saying, goes to, go to show you that they just didn't put any resources or resources into it. Now yeah. back, back to the, the just original topic, topic at hand. And we could expand upon, upon this more because I know we're getting up on time here, but it just goes to show like who all of us as star Wars fans think of as, filmmaking hero george lucas has been saying this stuff for so so long and it wasn't even that bad when he was like i'm out of here i'm going to Mm -hmm. san francisco Mm -hmm. now it's so much worse because of the technology because of the greed because of the uh disparity in uh wealth going to the executives but not the people making the stuff residuals streaming all these new variables that would probably make his head spin if he had a chance to comment on it, he'd probably be like, I've been saying this for a long time and now it's 10 times worse. It's just, I don't, who's the next voice? Who's the next George Lucas? Like who's the younger person with that energy to be like, this has to stop. We got to do something different here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know as far as like film right now. I don't um I mean I could probably sit around and think like this is probably the closest person, but this type of story just reminds me of so many other times when you have that like one person that's just like I don't want to do what big uh you know, industry wants me to do like, uh, yeah. like I, off the top of my head, you know, I think of like Dave Chappelle or something who has like famously walked away from Chappelle's show and said he didn't want to do any of that stuff or like, John, you're very familiar with Howard Stern, like saying like, like you're wrong. This is what people want to listen to. Yes. Stop yeah. telling me what to do. Right. Um, I very clearly have it. And, That's a and great once, example. once somebody like lets them be what they want to be, the audiences come back and they go like, Yes, we you know we we don't care about the money. We we care about or we don't care about what you think we want to listen to or whatever. We want to listen to the creatives be the creatives. Mm -hmm. And um I think like it, it's it's so interesting. Like I I don't want to derail this away from George Lucas, but there's so many conversations when it comes to like how much studios are spending on the movies and and the logistics of why they spend that like you have to bet big to win big kind of stuff and you know all these other and uh, again i use the term analytics <laughs> all these other analytics of like there's more original film coming out today than there ever has but people generally don't watch that stuff why because they put most of the marketing into and a lot of the budget around the sequels and the remakes and the nostalgic things. So it's like audiences could choose to go see these other movies that may look more attractive if they promoted them more or if they put higher budgets into these things that are already scraping the bottom budgets, like, you know, like $10 million movies. Um, but instead, they're they're saying, uh, let's make one $10 million movie and then let's just put a bunch of money into like, we'll put 200 million into, um, you know, a, a, a Marvel movie or something. Right. It's like, well, because they think the Marvel movie and the nostalgia and stuff is going to be big. So they put the marketing everywhere and all that. And it's just, it's so interesting for someone like George Lucas to be like, I don't, I don't like any of this. Like, I just don't want to have anything to do with this system that you guys have come up with. And that's not referring to, you know, where we are now, but it is referring to making decisions about we yeah. the movies and how much have, to spend and all this other stuff. And he's like, I just want to do it myself. If I think that thing deserves another 10,000 to make it look a little bit better, I'm mm -hmm. going to put the 10,000 in. Right. I'm not going to let them make the decision. And then the, my movie suffers because that thing didn't have the extra little five minutes there's another interview where he talks about they kept cutting five minutes from his movies and he's like why yeah what, like, that's any the, minutes from yeah, stop stop yeah. cutting minutes from my movie there like five minutes is gonna cuts. make it better yeah like, the no, it's not. Be the cut. yeah and yeah. like Lacey brought this up last week about how like we, they're they are making new things today but it is in the shadow of things from the 80s to like capture that nostalgia and it was a great point because stranger things is like the hottest show ever but it's a, it's right out of a but, Spielberg yeah, but, story. But I'm not even talking about Stranger Things. I'm talking about 20 I know other that. shows that are on Netflix but that have, come out, but they're not promoting those. They're promoting Stranger Things. But we also have nostalgic or, or video evidence on the making of Rise of Skywalker of Michelle Redwan telling J.J. Abrams how he should be telling this story. And it's like, what is she even doing there? That actually was the person in my head when i said oh go for it telling yeah, create no, yeah. no no i'm i'm agreeing <laughs> with you that was the person in my head is 
I feel like The Rise of Skywalker more than any of the three movies from the sequel trilogy, I don't think Ryan's Ryan was clearly his vision, I think. He had a little input here and there, but I or the executives did, but I feel like that was very strongly his vision. I feel like from the reaction of Ryan's movie, they like got even more kind of grip on the rise of Skywalker, especially with the Colin Trevorrow stuff. I feel like that's a prime example, especially with Star Wars, of people stepping in and having a lot to say. We were hearing that the fall leading up to the release of the movie about how J.J. had a four-hour version and they cut it down. They said nobody would sit through that. I would. Mm -hmm. Uh, They cut all these scenes out. They cut things that were shot, like the whole Rose stuff. They thought about splitting the movie, I think, even. They thought about splitting it, which I would have preferred if it told a better story. Do 9 and 10? Just close it out? Yeah. I, I just... I feel like oftentimes with Lucasfilm in particular, since we're talking about Star Wars, Lucasfilm and George Lucas, regardless of what you think about the prequels, he did what he wanted to do. He told the story he wanted to tell. He told it how he wanted. And he was transparent the entire process of what the story was going to be and what he was going to do. With Lucasfilm now, it's so secretive and not transparent that I think it's hurting the process because they're also trying to have such a grip on it that it's hurting things like Solo. And Rogue One had a ton of issues. Tony Gilroy came in and fixed it and made it better. And like, that's what we kind of focus on. But there were issues before that. And then you're hearing all these other, like, you know, Patty Jenkins and uh, Taika doesn't really have his movie together. Like, they don't know what's going on. It's just a lot of messiness. And I think that's due to the fact that time and time again, we're hearing how Lucasfilm wants so much control. They want so much control over what these people are doing. And I don't think they're giving them the chance to take those risks. And I honestly feel like the turning point was The Last Jedi, whether you liked it or you didn't. I feel like that risk and that story that Ryan told, whether you like it or don't, was his creative vision. And since then, they've been very much yeah. like, nope. That's a good point. I agree. Because they're just scared. I think it's a, well, a knee jerk. I mean... It's- if yeah. that if that wasn't the exact moment, it, it, which I think it is, it, it probably also then uh, fuels what happens to Solo, yes. where they were letting those creatives do their thing, and then they're like, you know what, <laughs> I, I don't know about this, yeah. I don't know about this at all. So, and we we still have people today. Look, we we, we three obviously all love the Ron Howard one or whatever, but we sure. there are so many people today that are like, I. I think I would have preferred Lord Miller's or I think I still and Lord wish and Miller I could see it, you know, still make comments about that. They still yeah. make comments about Disney and Kathleen Kennedy and that stuff. One, like there's like, still I like what we got, but it, it does make me wonder like, like what would happen if Lucasfilm was just like, that's tricky for me though. back at that, that point where they're like, just let the creatives be the creatives because they, you know, the whole thing was they were going off of, script off of Lawrence Kasdan's script and then you're talking about well then the writer is getting of course pushed, and there's so. always yeah, yeah, yeah. different situations and that you're like yes come out and about Lord Miller but, and like their conditions on set or something like controversial recently we're just talking so. in general of like creatives I know yeah, I didn't create. that we, all my thing is yeah exactly what Lacey's saying is just like when when the studio comes in and like says Patty Jenkins don't like what you're doing change it or you're Damon fine. Lindelof I yeah I think we're in a situation where there's a bubble that's clearly about to burst if it hasn't already. Like the Flash tanked, Blue Beetle's going to tank hard. Indiana Jones, I never, I did a short thinking, I saying I think this will make eight hundred million, and people are like, "That's it," and it made three thirty so far. So it's just like I was wrong mm-hmm. there. 
uh, I, I don't think they'd market I don't think it horribly, sequels and remakes th- and and adaptations are ever going to be not immediately double the interest of the audience. No, but I think there's a bubble that's going to burst where when it comes to making these movies, they're going to need to figure out you can't just keep throwing money at something and make it good. They're going to have to go right. back to like like the asteroid hits and and Earth has to start over again. Same thing with the industry. Like they're going to have to figure out organic ways to make movies again. And the way to do that is art and be creative. And like he said, use your imagination because they back in the day with certain limited budgets, go look on budgets of movies and how much really good movies gross at the box office. Not a ton, but they were profitable because they didn't have ridiculous budgets. Like production budgets alone for Indiana Jones were like 300 million. They probably had to shortchange marketing budget because of that. The marketing budget for Barbie alone, 150 million. It's just crazy when you think about these elevated numbers of production budgets and stuff. They're gonna have to go back to lower budgets, like and and producers have to do a good job instead of just saying like money, money, money. Figure out a way how to make that scene work for this much money in this amount. There's of time. also been there's a little bit of a side note. There's also been a lot of stories coming out of the SAG and and writer strike that these big ballooned budgets. A lot of these producers have been doing kind of, hey, I'm going to rent trucks from my company that doesn't exist and take some money off the top of these big budgets because no one's going to notice because the budget's oh, so big. If that's true, yeah. Yes. I mean, geez. I'm so all these people are seeing these gigantic budgets. I've been reading a couple stories about it, about how like they've been skimming a little off the top here and there and no one realizes because it's such a big budget. Whereas you've yeah. had, if you have a smaller budget, you're keeping track of every single dollar. And not to mention, Star Wars is a prime example. They came up with the creative, most interesting ideas for technology and shots and creatures and all stuff when they were backed up against the wall and didn't have money. Right. Back have to the we... Future happened when they ran out of money. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- this yeah. this this also gets me interested too in like. John, you're talking about the bubble bursting. Well, what happens when the asteroid hits? Well, does it mean that no one's interested or no one will work for the big studios? Well, what's that going to do? Well, that's going to cause a bunch of brand new, younger, independent creators. Exactly. Yes, to, exactly To that. fight against this. And part of that will very ironically be the new advances in technology and AI, a lot of these people are going to be able, like you look at a channel like Corridor Crew or something like that, where they're like, look, this stuff's getting crazy. And when you can, when you can recreate, uh, you know, scenes that took millions of dollars and it's like, maybe not one-to-one, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good that even if you're like telling your own original story and you're able to do it in this format, I see so much stuff on their channel where they're like, all of this content is one dude in his in his house. Like, how is you know he's using his iPhone, he's <laughs> using this stuff. And if we can get to that point where creators can fund their own content, somehow figure out a way to to publish it and get it out there, people are going to be hungry for that stuff too. If they also are then now continuing to strike against the bigger companies, like I don't support you know uh, Netflix anymore. They're ridiculous. I'm going to go on YouTube or I'm going to go to independent theater and watch and pay for these movies because that's I'm connecting more with this uh, mm-hmm. artist on his Patreon than I am with the big studio who's not telling me anything about what's going on in Star Wars. The ecosystem will heal itself in any way it needs to. And if that is, you know, like starting over 
where with grassroots and something takes off there and we get the next George Lucas or the next Coppola or whoever, that may very well be the case because I think we're going to get more studios. I think I think studios, we're seeing it with horror movies right now is like the prime example like, of where seeing yeah like A twenty four Bloomhouse like those types of things even yeah. less than like, that I think ones that are even below sure. that like these small movies yeah. that are popping out of nowhere yeah, yeah it, it's it's yeah. like when uh like you have all these major labels and then people are like I just don't like the music they're feeding me anymore so they go screw it I'm starting my own label and I'm gonna hire I'm gonna sign the bands that I want to hear and then like, like that becomes a bigger label. Because yeah, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be at the point now where Disney and I, we're picking on Disney, but all these studios are like everything good's already been made, so let's do it again, or let's make a AI version of this person that you liked from forty years ago and bring them back. Now, yeah, they did that for Indiana Jones, and I thought they did it well because it served a small part of the story, um, but. Where's the next, like in 50 years, I want us to look back to now and be like, oh, those classics from 2025, like that movie, those movies were so good. We're there's not, we enough not competition. there. That's the problem. No one's doing that anymore. Yeah, we're all, yeah. Too many people at the top are saying know, yes and no I would no almost to argue there's too much competition, which, which makes it hard to really see a movie like break no, out. There's two, there's like six or seven people that are making the decisions on what you're seeing all the time. Yeah. But there's also like so much movies. I'm not and saying stuff coming distribution out everywhere. Yeah. I'm saying that obviously Creativity. there's lots of streaming services and yeah. stuff. I'm saying that everything that's being created is being funneled up to these eight to 12, not even 12. I would say it's like <laughs> six to eight studios yeah. and they're deciding yes or no, what's being made. And there might be amazing stuff that we're never going to see that's sitting on someone's desk. So I think what needs to happen, and this is coming from someone that's obviously not in the industry, is first of all, people need to be paid. That's number one. Second of all, I think there needs to be more competition. There needs to be more opportunities for people to make things that aren't the big budget Marvel movies. I think we need yeah. more storytelling that's outside of what they're constantly feeding us. I don't, right. Yeah, I don't disagree that there's only like six or eight studios that, but yeah. all of those studios are making a lot of content. But the problem with that is, is that a lot of that content that gets bought and serviced is not promoted. It's like they technically own the rights to it and they've made the decision to put it on. But then Disney they pick Plus and choose Netflix. what they're promoting. So then that's exactly what I'm what saying. But seeing, then they yeah. put, they actually put a lot of money into Transformers because they think that's the one that's going to be successful because they rewrote that. But that's my point. Thousand, you where's, know, they had 80 where's producers. The new, where's the new know, next Transformers? Like we keep going back to these things that have been around for 50 years. Like, and I hope Star Wars keeps going, but I, I also hope that they get inventive with it a bit. Like yeah, I want to see, I want Solo 2, but I also want, you know, the mangled thing where it's like, let's start something fresh. So there's a lot that goes into it. We can definitely mm -hmm. talk about it a lot more. We want to know what everyone thinks out there. Um, you know, there are people piping in, in the chat, but also people listening on their audio apps. Like, let us know what you think. We're like, we want to see where the pulse is on this. Are people starting to push back? And that's why we're seeing these box office, uh, these dismal box office results that maybe these studios thought were wins going heading in. So maybe mm -hmm. the audience is finally speaking in a collective saying, we're tired of this. We're tired of having our, our uh, intelligence insulted. So we'll see where it goes from there. But, we hope you enjoyed the discussion and uh, 
thank you to Mr. Lucas for uh, appearing on the show early in the segment. <laughs> I uh, saw that earlier. Yeah. Um, but uh, thank you to everybody for listening and watching and being a part of TRB uh, means a great deal to the three of us. Again, at the top, we talked about what's going on with the strikes, our stance on it. We're going to keep monitoring this on a week by week basis because we are being thoughtful and we're being very careful. And we have received the response from SAG and we're acknowledging that and deciding how we're going to proceed forward. But we'll, we'll certainly keep you posted. Um, on Monday, uh, we will actually be getting into a new segment where we're going to uh, revisit a famous scene from Star Wars, but maybe some things that we didn't notice in the 500 times we watched it previously. Uh, but we'll uh, give you more details on that, of course. Um, but we have to say a special thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast for supporting what we do here. It allows us to put out this show twice a week. What you, the three people you see here are the three people behind everything that happens in TRB. So your support is immensely important to us. And I know times are tough for a lot of people, but if you're able to, please head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast and support a TRB. Uh, special thank you to our generals and spice runners, Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Chris Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sneaky Zebra, Aaron Ellington, Colin Cormier, Jolton Jedi DiMaggio, Diana and Dave Hornack, and spice runners, Dave, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the well-dressed Fort Worthian. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and threads what's and twitter blue sky at oh x whatever it's called i at johnny hoey <laughs> and uh my movie pod just like the movies we just finally put out our titanic episode uh james how about you um yeah i don't know when to make that change but you can find me on twitter and instagram at Meyer trunks i don't know i mean it's definitely official but i, I want to find it officially in the like uh i don't know I guess the normalcy. Yeah, before yeah. I start saying you can find me on X. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lacey, how about you? People can find me on all social media at Lacey Gillerin on TikTok at It's Lacey Gillerin. And um, I just want to take a second to thank everybody for their support over the past few weeks, especially when I wasn't feeling well a couple of weeks ago. I just want to let you guys know that I am going to be taking a step back from the podcast just doing one less show a week. I'm taking some time to focus on family and my upcoming pregnancy. I'm due in November, so I'm just taking some time for me. So these guys are going to be holding down the base on Mondays, and I will be here for the live shows, which will either be, depending on what we decide to do, Wednesdays well, or Wednesday, Thursdays. Thursday. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I'll still be doing Patreon content. Mm-hmm. You, shouldn't have, you shouldn't have started off with taking a step back from the podcast, because I think <laughs> some people were like, Oh, Sorry, yeah. I just meant like taking. A I thought, little time wow, that's myself. a bold way to say. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, it's not as bad as it sounded. I'm sorry, that was like yeah. the worst. Thing. It reminds me of like when it's people like when you describe your up. second favorite. It's like when you describe your second favorite show as mm, it's not my favorite. <laughs> it's like, but that's not a good. No, it yeah, reminds like me of Michael. No, it's like Michael yeah. on the Office where he's just like you know she didn't we did the best we could they did the best they could oh right yeah yeah. she's totally fine but she's (laughs) she's gonna be fine what is wrong with you no but i appreciate everyone's support um and uh this will just be for a short period of time while i take some time for me and my family and then i will be back um you you know what though Lacey? on both episodes i'm still gonna be here for one a lot of pods don't put out one episode a week let alone two 
So yeah. you're going to, they're going to get, they're still going to get their healthy dose of Lacey, Lacey Gillerin every week. Oh, so. I'm sure. Plenty. Yeah. And again, like I said, I'll be doing Patreon content and stuff like that. It's just, instead of doing two, I'm doing one. Get me once yeah. a week. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So with that, Monday, James and I will be tackling a very popular scene from the history of Star Wars, but uh, with a closer look at a few things. So uh, actually, to get you prepared for that, uh, we'll just say what it is now. So in case you went over the weekend, watch that uh, scene. We're doing the Padre scene from The Phantom Menace. And the idea is the segment's going to be called, Did You See That? Based on Luke's line from A New Hope with the Dianoga. But take your eyes away from where you usually look and your ears and look for things you may not have noticed before in that scene, specifically in The Phantom Menace. John we'll loves doing this. That on Monday. This is yeah, like one of John's favorite things to do. Yeah, it's just a cool new way to find things that you've watched a billion times but find new things in it it's like a little little nice little treasure hunt but anyway we hope everyone has a wonderful weekend thank you for supporting trb thank you for watching thank you for listening support creators and artists and we'll see you next time right here on the resistance broadcast see you around kids happy birthday zach